Sarah knew the precise moment they'd hit the open sea. The boat began to pitch unlike anything she'd ever known before. Of course, it didn't help being in the furthest front compartment as the bow sliced through the waves. Perhaps that was why people didn't sleep in the bow unless in a hammock and why only sails were stored here. Sails couldn't get beat up like overconfident, impulsive ladies who didn't think before they got themselves locked in the forward hold. Thankfully, the sailcloth provided her some protection, but she was still tossed about the small compartment. Once she even hit the solid oak rafter of the deck above her, Sarah heard a voice issue orders above and the scurry of footsteps as the command was carried out. This went on for quite a while, and Sarah contemplated banging on the hatch to have someone let her out. She was thirsty and hungry and needed to relieve herself. She had no idea how long she'd been down here, nor how far out of Liverpool they were. Another pitch and she felt weightless again, bracing herself for another hit against the rafter. This was insane. She wanted adventure, not broken bones. When the boat turned hard over, Sarah flew into the right bulkhead. She vowed that the minute she heard footsteps above deck, she would scream for the man to let her out. Having no idea how long the seas were going to be rough, or when anyone might open the hatch so she could get some fresh air, she decided she just could not wait any longer. What was she thinking? No one even knew she was down here. It was then she realized spare sails didn't need fresh air, just protection from water. If she didn't die from smashing her noggin on a beam, she'd surely suffocate. It seemed an eternity before she heard voices and footsteps headed toward the bow. But as soon as she did, she let out the loudest, longest scream she could muster. Ian stood at the wheel with his eye on the fore and aft sail and foresail. Scanning the horizon once again, he caught sight of Avenger and knew Lucky followed his lead. He had an approximately six-minute lead out of the box, which meant nearly a mile separated the two vessels in this first-ever Atlantic crossing challenge. Now, almost two hours into the race, ahead of him were one square-rigged vessel at full sail and the Anne McKim. By luck of the draw, nineteen of the thirty-two boats entered in the competition left the starting box before him. Ian allowed himself a smile of satisfaction as he realized all that stood between him and the lead were the two vessels ahead. As he set a course to the next waypoint, Ian pondered the things he could do with that winning purse, the first being to hire a decent, reliable cook. It was during his musings that one of the crew shouted something to him from the bow. Looking out at the flying jib and seeing nothing awry, he motioned for the man to speak up. Captain. There's a lad stowed away in the sail locker. Ian handed the wheel over to his second and climbed down from his raised poop and strode the ninety-odd feet to the hatch in the bow. Did I hear you correctly? You said there was a stowaway. Right, Captain, sir. He's hollering up a storm down there. Are you sure that's what you heard? Ian asked as he held on to the railing on the side of the ship. Just then he heard it too, a voice bellowing up from below. Get him out of there and ask him if he can cook. If he can't, lock him up. We'll turn him in when we return. He gets minimal ration, too. I'm not feeding some little whelp of full three squares if he's broken the law and stowed away. Aye, aye, Captain, the man said as Ian turned back to his post at the wheel. A few minutes later, as Ian contemplated who was going to cook now that Seamus was planning to plant some roots somewhere in the countryside for the remainder of his years, his crewman shoved a scrawny kid in front of him. 
His oilcloth slicker, two sizes too big, was buttoned to the chin, and the knitted cap covered his head. "'Captain, sir, he says he's your brother.' "'I don't have a brother,' Ian said without needing to look down at the scamp. "'Lock him up in the lazarette. I'll deal with him later, and fetch Mr. Johnson for me.' "'Where's Lucky?' The definitely female voice squeaked with fear. Ian's gaze shot to the figure before him, and he looked down into the deepest sapphire-blue eyes, eyes he'd seen only twice before now. He didn't need to see the colour of her hair or the slender feminine form that had plagued his dreams last night to know who it was. Holy Mother of God, he swore, unable to take his gaze from hers. What have you done? Obviously stowed away on the wrong boat.